Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. I'm so excited to welcome Paula Harris to the podcast today. Paula and I have been friends slash colleagues for, wow, probably over a decade now. Uh, Paula Harris is actually the co-founder of WH Cornerstone uh, Investments, and she takes great pride in helping her clients, particularly women, obtain financial peace of mind and independence. Paula is somebody who is always busy, always serving on a board, and let me just list a couple of the past uh, boards that she has been on. There have been several. Uh, she's the past president of the Plymouth Philharmonic or- Orchestra, uh, past president of the Duxbury Free Library. And in 2012, she was the chairman of the board for the South Shore Chamber of Commerce. Right now, Paula is currently on the advisory board of Empower Her, which sounds intriguing. I'd love to know more about that. Um, and she's a graduate of Providence College. She currently lives in uh, both Plymouth, and Massachusetts, and the Berkshires with her husband and co-founder, Bill Harris. Now, one thing I discovered today that I didn't know about Paula was that she made her first hole-in-one in the summer of 2010. So I'm going to welcome you, Paula, to the call and ask, did you make another hole-in-one? Well, thank you, Kathleen. I'm thrilled to be here today. I have not yet made my next hole-in-one. I didn't want to limit myself when I put that on there. So I'm always practicing. Excellent. That's so awesome. I, I just, uh, I was like, wow, she gets hole-in-ones all the time. That would be really <laughs> exciting. I don't play very good golf, but I'd be hanging out with you for sure. Well, I, will, I have to admit it's a little misleading because I have been invited to play in golf tournaments based on that. And I don't consistently play hole-in-one quality golf. So I, I've, disappointed a few people, I think. <laughs> well, I love that. I love that fact. And I love the myth that you're bringing to the uh, podcast today. Uh, the myth that you wanted to talk about and bust wide open is a man is not a plan. A man is not a plan. And so I'm curious, Paula, tell us a little bit about what motivated you to pick that myth, myth today. And um, then we'll get into kind of uh, the pros and cons of, of thinking this way. Sure thing. Um, we work with a, a lot of women. Our, our practice is primarily seems to be uh, female, or if it's a married couple, the female tends to be the lead. And the other part of our uh, practice is uh, we work with a lot of widows and a lot of uh, divorced women. And I see this fear that comes uh, from women when they have to deal with money on their own. They think that they can't do it. And I, I'm actually, I, I'm going to say it may have been some of your earlier work in our conversations, uh, and you had done some interviews with Barbara Stanny, uh, and she, I, I don't know if she coined the, the phrase, a man is not a plan, but I've 
heard that for a long time, and I see too many women behave as if they will just wait until someday when they meet the Prince Charming, they'll get married, and he'll deal with it. But as we know, many more women now deal with their uh, own finances for a great majority of their life, uh, and that is becoming more the norm uh, than the exception. So that's why I chose this plant, this uh, myth. Well, and you're right, Barbara Stanny and uh, her really wonderfully now um, very old book, <laughs> uh, Prince Charming Isn't Coming Anymore, uh, did talk about that. We don't need to wait for a man in our life to set a plan. So okay, we need it. to be empowered um, on our own and from sort of day one and not be concerned about waiting until um, things happen when we get married, get settled and things like that. And as you can see with the millennials, that is definitely, um, everything's delayed about five years. So people are, are, are holding off on making major life commitments and decisions a lot longer than they used to. And it would be a shame to sit around and wait for someone to come into your life. Yes, you know, it's all, it's flashing back a conversation we had many years ago about, I used to always say, a spouse doesn't come with a house. <laughs> uh, so certainly, I think I might have fallen victim to this myself. But tell me a little bit more about how you see this myth playing out in your practice, maybe through a story or a personal situation. Um, well, I'll tell you my, my own personal situation. Uh, I had set the goal that I wanted to buy my own home uh, soon out of Providence College, which is something uh, we sh both share, uh, our alma mater. But I had decided that, and I made some tough decisions when I was younger. I moved home after college and lived with my parents so I could save money. Um, and I did that for several years. And at the age of 26, I bought my own home. Uh, and that was a huge milestone for me. I felt really good about um, that milestone, achieving it, setting the goal, and, and I did it on my own. And everybody, I think, when I moved into the neighborhood, assumed that uh, I had help, but I didn't. I did it on my own, and it was really exciting, and it really empowered me for um, a, a lot more um, financial decisions and just decisions in my life. That's wonderful. I mean, 26 uh, is very young to be able to buy a house, and, and you were kind of a trendsetter because I really feel like you were doing it uh, at a time that uh, a lot of women weren't doing that. So it sounds like it was very empowering to take care of yourself financially. Uh, let's do the flip side for a second. Um, if a woman is out there or someone is out there and believes that a man uh, is is their plan and, and they're going to hold off until they get married or they get into a serious relationship. Is there any way in which thinking that way can actually be helpful? Even if it's in the short run, how can it help to kind of buy into this idea? Um, oh, in the short run, let's see that a man is a plan. I think if you, if uh, a woman is actively um, seeking seeking the man out and looking to make things happen in a short run, it may keep them focused on sort of making sure that they have a good balance sheet and that they are, I'll say, marriage material, that, you know, you're not coming into a marriage with a lot of debt and a lot of baggage. Um, maybe you have bought your own home. Maybe you started your own business. On the flip side of that, what would be a shame is, you know, you wake up and you're 40 and you suddenly said, I didn't save because I thought that day would come sooner and we'd do it together. Um, so I think, you know, really buttoning things up and making sure you've taken care of yourself um, so that if, you know, 
um, if the flip side happened and you never met someone, you'd be okay. Well, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, but there's a large number of women in our society who maybe had wanted to get married and ended up not getting married for a variety of reasons. I mean, it could be that they didn't meet the right person. It could be uh, that they put their career first. I mean, there could be a variety of situations in someone's life. And so really the danger, it sounds like, is putting off taking care of yourself as a financial individual can be really dangerous because we don't know what our future path holds. We also don't know if our partner who we end up meeting, if they're the best person to be relying on for our financial future uh, as well. That's absolutely true. Um, And I I think I also see it sometimes with, uh, you know, career driven women, even though they may be making really big salaries, they, they don't necessarily save it. And they keep thinking, yeah, when, I'll buckle down when the day comes when I meet that, that person. And you're right, the statistics play out. I mean, I just look at my own friends from high school and college. Um, I have a lot of friends that have not married yet. And, uh, you know, they may still, but there's a lot of people that I know that haven't married. And I think really, some have really focused and others haven't so much. And there's definitely different implications to that. Now, I'm wondering, when it comes to women and money, and I know you see a lot of uh, female clients at a, you know different stages of their lives, but do you think it's getting any better? Do you think women are doing a better job of taking care of them financially, uh, say the millennials? Or do you feel like maybe we're repeating the same mistakes that previous generations did? Um. I would tend to say I think we keep repeating the mistakes, and it's hard to say that. I what I see the most is I think women have a lack of confidence with numbers, and they immediately, th- you know, I hear this over and over again. I'm not good with numbers. I'm not good with numbers, and I try to have the conversation that it's really not about numbers. It's it's math at its most basic sense. You have to have more coming in than going out, and. You just have to keep that equilibrium and you'll be okay. But people immediately start to think it's going to be about investments, it's going to be about stocks and mutual funds and bonds and rates of return, and it's not. It's really about the simple decisions you make every day. It's the decision to say, I have a goal, I'm going to save 10%, 20% of my income. I want to buy a house. I want to buy a car. I want to pay off my student loan. And it's working systematically towards those goals is really what it's about. But I think we live in an age of um, ultra consumerism. Buy it now. I mean, billboards and messages on our iPhones and, you know, pop-ups. It's, it's all about the, in, the instant gratification. And I think it's at its height um, these days. And look back to sort of like the greatest generation. And they could delay um, gratification very well. And that's, I think, where layaway programs came in. I think those were were a great resource, but then they were replaced by the credit card. Get it now. Get it now. Why wait? And I think as a society, we've shifted so much to, you know, it has to be new. It has to be cutting edge. You have to be a first mover. And that really plays in a lot of people's psyche. Well, yeah, you have some great points there. I mean, I think in my forthcoming book, Breaking Money Silence, uh, which comes out in September, one of the things that I talk about early on is 
that there is a financial literacy crisis in this country that we don't pay attention to. And yes, when we look at women and there's studies on women that women lack confidence around numbers or that's what the research says, I would actually uh, propose that there's a lot of men out there that struggle as well. And so it's the lack of financial literacy. If you look at the numbers, it's something like, my percentages might be slightly off, but it's like 35% of men and... 37% 37% of women, something it's that close, wow. have passed a basic financial literacy test. That's like five questions. And so what I think is happening is that we're talking about women in this lack of confidence. And yes, I do think that there are gender issues and they're concerning. And it's hard for me, just like you, Paula, to be like, yeah, I don't think we're moving the needle that much. Uh, but I also feel like there, this is happening with you know, men as well. And then you raise such a wonderful point and a scary point about consumerism, I, I, you know, just look, go on Facebook for two seconds after you've gone on some other website. Next thing you know, you're getting advertised exactly what you were looking at before. It's, it's, Absolutely. it's very scary. Uh, it's like big brothers watching you. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of pressure. Women aren't feeling confident. Uh, a lot of women, uh, I would argue too, a lot of men aren't. Um, so what is your advice if you have somebody out there who is saying, well, you know, it's all well and good, but I'm going to wait till I'm in a relationship. Uh, we'll go with a man is, you know, not a plan. I'm going to wait and um, put this off. So what advice would you have for somebody who's listening that says, oh, you know, I've been doing that. Maybe I should try something new. Maybe one or two tips. You know, I mean, I think the first one is if they're working to make sure that they're contributing to their maximum ability to their 401k. That's a simple one. That automate, um, set, and forget it is probably the greatest thing you can do from a savings perspective. And that one is right there at your fingertips. Um, and then I would follow that up with additional automated savings because, you, you know, we always spend what's left. So people will say, oh, I'll save when I get to the end of the month. Well, if you don't pay yourself first, there's usually nothing left at the end of the month. And whenever people have fought us on this um, and then they just try it, they're like, oh, that was easier than I thought. I could actually do a little more. So automated savings, I think, is is really a big deal. And then I think, you know, set a goal, whether it be I'm going to buy a car for cash. Um, I'm, I'm going to save enough for, for a down payment on a home so that when I meet that person, I'm, I'm ready um, to contribute as well. So it could be some small things um, along those lines just to get into the habit, the discipline of saving more. Those are great tips. And the automation is is one of the ways in which technology, which I just complained about a little bit, uh, is actually benefiting us. You know, I I was taught that early on, well before I was in uh, any relationship. And it has always served me well to have that automatic savings that, you know, the minute I got a 401k to match it. Um, so I think though that's a very easy step for a lot of people to take. And you're right. Once you do it, you realize, oh, that isn't so bad. And you could try it for two or three months. And if it was horrible or you didn't like it or you felt like you were cash starved, you can certainly unset those automatic uh, pay yourself first kind of uh, accounts. So Absolutely. that's, yeah, no, that's a great idea. Now, in terms of setting a goal, 
what do you think gets in the way of people achieving a financial goal that they set? Like you said, paying for a car in cash, which I think is a wonderful idea. I also know there might be some folks out there listening, especially maybe millennials who don't make that much, who are like, wait a second, I, it would take forever to get that car. <laughs> Well, then I think, well, one is buy a realistic car. So <laughs> Not a I, Beamer? I think, no, I think what, that's another thing. I think people, um, this sort of, you know, learning delayed gratification, we would, we would start with a used car or we would start with a lower price model, but now, or a starter home, now we want the top of the line, you know, when we're 18 or 24. Uh, and I think it's having realistic expectations so maybe, you're right, maybe saving for a car, uh, let's say a $25,000 car is too big of a nut, but I'm going to save, you know, a third of it so that my, when I do take a payment, you know, it's a lot lower. So it's like, you know, taking incremental steps and take a step as opposed to delaying any decision. So what may seem like too big of a mountain is just do it for today do it for the next day, you know, sort of that one day at a time model. And um, inch by inch, is a, it's a cinch, is a, a quote that we use. Um, and it's goofy, but it's true. And it's like, I think if you think at the end result, you have to break it down and sort of chunk it into smaller results. So this month, I'm going to save $100. Oh, wow, at the end of the year, it's $1,200. Um, so, it, you know, make it in bite-sized chunks that you can actually see the progress as opposed to, oh, my gosh, I set the goal way too high. I'll never make it, so I'll never start. You know, one of the things that I was taught early on that, that is similar to this is when you have a car payment, whether you have a car payment or not, you make it every month. So say your car payment, I don't know, is $300 a month. Your car is paid for in full, but you continue to pay that $300 a month into an account that then becomes your down payment for the next car. Absolutely. And I practice that. I have to be honest. I'll be very transparent. I practice that for two cars. I can't say I have that going on right now. Um, but I certainly learned how to use that skill in other areas. And um, I really think that, you know, if $300 feels like too much, make it five, ten $10 a week in a, in a, you know, it's better to put it in a bank. But, you know, if you right. have to put it in a jar and see what it's right. like and, and get that tangible uh, accumulation. Now, the other thing that has been helpful, I think, for a lot of women, and certainly the women that work with you and uh, Bill at um, your firm, is working with a financial planner. So can you say a little bit about how you might be able to help somebody, um, you know, let go of this myth that a man is a plan and start to take care of their financial life? Sure. I think often people think um, working with a financial planner, you have to have a really complex life. And I think we can add tremendous value for people like that. But uh, to your point earlier that we don't have basic financial literacy in, in our country now, a financial planner, even a one-hour meeting with a financial planner can, can help shift people who, who want to shift um, tremendously in learning just some good basic habits and strategies. You know, they, they may have thought, you know, they were going to go and do a, uh, strategy X when talking through the situation, Y made a ton more sense. So I think um, reaching out and, and getting some help on some basic uh, decisions. You know, we had a client in here the other day, they had a tremendous amount of cash and savings, but yet they had a car loan and a home equity loan that they could easily pay off with their cash. And we're talking, these are some very sophisticated, you know, clients um, from a work perspective and from a, 
education. And they said, we never thought of it. But they were carrying, you know, $80,000 in debt, um, which was costing them way more than what they were getting on the savings rate in their bank account. Such a great, such a great example, because I think a lot of times any consulting or coaching or having somebody else's eyes on something and having a place where you can talk it through. I know for me makes a really big difference. And for my husband, you know, you keep talking about, oh, we'll look over this. But if you have a set meeting, and ironically, I have a set meeting this evening at 530 uh, with our financial advisor, uh, that it really does set aside that hour or whatever to have somebody else look at it to talk it through. And, you know, even when we're saying simple things, I think one one thing that's really important is don't let money shame or discomfort get in the way. We all need, you know, help and support and new eyes on on everything in our life. And this is just another area in our in our lives that um, I think someone like yourself and, and Bill can help. So tell people who are listening in right now how they can find out more about you and WH Cornerstone, because I, I know that you guys do great work. I've known you for years. I've always loved your approach. So say a little bit more about how they can find out about you and if there's anything that they can do to kind of, you know, start to get a sense of how you and your uh, husband work. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Kathleen, because we have known each other a long time and, and have enjoyed a lot of um, a great relationship and conversation. So thank you. Um, I, we have a, our website, you know, is whcornerstone.com. I think when you, you Google us, um, either a Bill or I, you find us in a million places on the web because we are so involved. Um, we have a newsletter, which is, you know, closing in almost on 14 years, uh, comes out monthly, and that's been a great source of pride. And uh, it's a really kind of fun one. It's not just about, uh, it, it's about how you use your money, not necessarily, it's not about investing, because I'm a big believer, it's the everyday decisions and so we compile a great bunch of um, sometimes obscure articles that are out there, and people really in, enjoy that. Uh, we have a blog that can be found through our website as well, and we do both do a lot of speaking. Um, we ran a retreat for widows this past January, and I'll, I'll be running either a retreat for widows or a retreat for women in transition um, within the, the, the next year. I'm very excited about that. Uh, so we, we are out there and uh, pretty active in lots of ways and always happy to have people reach out with any types of questions. That's excellent. And I actually have been on the newsletter list for a long time, and I can attest to the fact that there are some really interesting articles, and I, I like the way it's set up. It's a little bit different than a lot of the other newsletters out there, so it, it has a lot of good resources. So, Paula, thank you so much for taking the time to help us understand a little bit more about how uh, waiting for a man is not necessarily the best strategy for women out there uh, financially. You know, sometimes we hear that, but getting into a little bit more of the uh, reasons why and the things for people to be thinking about. And whether you are a female listening to this podcast or a man who can um, really encourage a woman or daughter in your life to kind of take action in this area, I think it's important. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. This is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury with the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I look forward to having you break money silence with me on the next podcast. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at BreakingMoneySilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. 
Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.